Howdy, my friends, and welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast as we make our way through the book of Titus. And we have been talking about uh, the qualifications for a church leader. And as we read about this qualifications for elders, Paul has laid out some uh, some standards for Titus so that when he appoints these men into these positions, he... Uh, has a uh, you know has those that that test to hold them up to um and so the things that he lays out here are uh not just for him but for us i think these are great things for us to hold ourselves up to as well to say not just uh does my church leader have these standards but do what about me you know hold myself to these standards um that these these things are important for a a godly man to have and if we are choosing leaders for our church these are the things um, that uh, I think we ought to be looking for these qualifications. And what I find really interesting about this is just kind of the way they're laid out. So, hey, let's talk about it. He says in verse five, he says, for this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Now, um, in verse seven, he says, you know, a bishop must be a blameless, um, must be blameless as a steward of God. Um, and so we have this idea of being blameless twice. We talked about that last time. So I don't want to, I don't want to get into that one again, but basically the idea is that, you know, this is not somebody that, that's uh, a person that has a bad reputation. They're the person of good reputation, uh, in the community. And then he goes home, right? He says the husband of one wife, the husband of one wife. Now, if you have spent much time at all reading the Bible, you are probably aware that there are people in the Bible that have more than one wife. In fact, there are leaders in the Bible that have more than one wife. We don't see this in the New Testament. We definitely see it in the Old Testament. Uh, we see um, Jacob, who God changes Jacob's name to uh, Israel, and he has two wives, Rachel and Leah. And then, you know, they give their servants to him to have children with that will count as theirs. And, um, you know, stuff that to us seems absolutely crazy, but in their culture was acceptable. You know, just because something is culturally acceptable does not mean it is acceptable for God's people. And this is one of those things that we have to continually keep in mind, that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. We serve a greater king. And the culture that we live in is very often going to be very inconsistent with what God has said. And what we see throughout the Bible is that this is a problem for people. People have a difficult time because we live in the culture. We live in it. And so we don't we don't notice sometimes when we are living contrary to God's word because we have so been indoctrinated by the culture that oftentimes when we read God's word, we try to figure out ways to interpret it so that it doesn't offend our cultural sensibilities. So when we read the Bible, we see these cultural things with, like I, like I mentioned, Jacob marrying two different women um, and then having children with additional women that counted as the daughters of those children. And, uh, you know, the, this is, um, 
carried on in, you know, we get to the, to, uh, the time of David, when David is made the king. David has more than one wife. And then David's son Solomon has hundreds of wives and concubines. And that was, again, culturally acceptable. At their time, that was the sign of wealth for a king. Was you know, He's so wealthy, he can support all these wives and all these children. And, and um, that doesn't mean it was okay, because it's actually contrary to what God's Word said about kings, that kings uh, should not multiply wives or horses. And yet they did it anyway. And so this is an important thing to understand about the Bible. And my, my kids and I were just having a discussion about this the other day, that when we read the Bible, there are a lot of questions we need to ask ourselves. And we've talked about this on, on this podcast before about, you know, just as we've talked about this book of Titus, it's important to know who's writing it, who they're writing to. We also need to know, you know, what is this? Am I reading poetry? Am I reading a letter? Am I reading history? Am I reading a list of laws? Or what am I reading? Because um, there's those those certain things we have to, to consider. Um, you know, sometimes what is said in one place is not applicable in every place. An example of that would be uh, Peter. Uh, Peter walked on water with Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, come. He commanded him to walk out on the water. Uh, Peter walked on the water. You know, he started sinking after a little bit. Um, but you know, he got distracted and he then he called out to Jesus. Jesus picked him up and put him in the boat. But later on in the Bible, Peter sees Jesus after his resurrection. Jesus is walking on the beach and Peter recognizes that it's Jesus and he dives into the water and swims to Jesus. He doesn't walk on the water to Jesus. And so there's an understanding there. Well, when Jesus said to him, come, it wasn't always come and walk on the water. It was that one time. And so sometimes that's clear. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes we read the Bible like, okay, is this for everybody? I mean, that, that's something a lot of times people struggle with when they read the Bible. They, they, they read things that Jesus is saying to his, to his disciples and they ask, have to ask, okay, is this, is this something he spoke just to his disciples? Is he speaking just to them or is this for everybody? And you find that there's major splits in theological viewpoints about things based on sometimes those things where people say, oh, no, that was just for the apostles' time. While others are saying, well, no, he, sp he spoke this to everybody. And so there's a different application based on the understanding of, is he talking about this one time or for all time? So that's a, one of the, you know, that's a challenge in reading the Bible. You have to ask questions, and that would be the type of question to ask. Uh, another good question to read or to rather to ask uh, when you're reading the Bible is, am I reading something that is a description or is it a prescription? Right. Is it a description of something that happened or is it a prescription for something we ought to do? And so when we read the Bible and we see the stories of David, or we read about Jacob and all the trouble that comes upon him because of his his multiple wives. When we read about Solomon and the the problem that his wives bring into his life, I mean, he, he, just a disaster spiritually for him in the end. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, is this a description of what we're supposed to do? I mean, or rather, is it a prescription of what we're supposed to do? Or is it just a description of what he did? And in that case, of course, it's a description of what he's 
what he did is not a prescription for what we ought to do. And so that's that's the kind of thing that when we read the Bible, we, we need to keep those things in mind. And so, uh, you know, when we read this, the husband of one wife in the New Testament, you know, this is this is an idea, one wife. Now, at the time where this is written, there were men that had more than one wife. That was uh, common in certain cultures at the time. And so he's saying, you know, this, this needs to be a person who's married to one person. But actually, in the original language, what it's actually saying is a one-woman man. That That's the idea. It's not, you know, well, he, this guy's been divorced, so, you know, he has a, he has a before he was a Christian, he and his wife were married and were divorced, so he's disqualified. No, it's it's talking about a one-woman man. So someone who was divorced but had, you know, a scriptural, biblical grounds for that divorce, I believe that they would still be qualified to be a leader in the church. Um, the idea being, this is a one-woman man. He's not um, a person who is out looking for more women. Um and this is important because this is a downfall of many church leaders. I had a friend years ago, he said, he said, the way that the devil gets church leaders tends to be two things, sex and money. And I thought about that. I was like, well, that's not much different than problems in most marriages. And the, the, I think my, my friend's point was that, you know, there are those people that will take advantage of the flock and they'll use that position of authority, that position of power, uh, of respect to gain, to gain financially. And there's also an opportunity in that position of authority and power and respect um, in leadership that there will be an there will a possibility of, of women who are looking for a man who demonstrates those qualities, um, being attracted to that pastor and, um, and giving him opportunity to take advantage of his position, his role. And so again, I think this is an important thing that he's saying in leadership is this needs to be a guy who, who as a one woman man, he's dedicated to his wife. Does it mean he has to be married? No, because we have leaders in the New Testament that are not married. Paul, Paul, as far as we can tell, uh, is not married. Um, there are some that believe he was widowed. There's some believe that his wife left because of his Christian faith. We don't know. Uh, but we know Jesus was not married. Um, so um, anyway, this is one of the qualifications for elder. Not that he uh, has to have a, a wife, but that he is a, a one-woman man. That he is not um, looking outward for for conquests or... Um, you know, flirtatious with the long looking for the attention and the affection of many women. That's a dangerous kind of guy to have in charge. Um, men in power often take advantage of that power to take advantage of women um, because they can. And Paul Stone Titus, not that kind of guy. God bless you. Talk to you next time.